<clears throat> Hello again, Massey Bible Chapel. Um, and uh, anyone else who is watching me this morning or evening or whatever time it may be when you are seeing this. Um, I actually know that my, my grandma's watching today. And so, hi, Grandma. Just want to say I miss you. <laughs> um, but yeah, wherever and whenever you're watching this, I hope that you are all doing safe and well and whether that's braving the outside world now or still staying inside as much as possible I hope that you're still having fellowship and being able to connect with those around you whether it's through the popular zoom video chats or phone calls or even the also popular social distancing parties I actually often see people out with lawn chairs just sitting in their driveways with other people gathered around and I think those visits are really great. It's very important to stay connected with others in whatever way you can and to keep being part of that community and fortunate, fortunately today we have many ways that we can do that which is great. Um, but yeah, okay, let's get, let's get into it. Last time I spoke to you it was on Philippians chapter 4, specifically verses 6 and 7, which were about not worrying, for those of you that remember. If you saw that one, I'm sure you took my challenge and wrote the verse down and memorized it, and that you've been practicing giving your cares and worries over to God, trusting Him to give you His peace. And I really hope you have been doing that and have been experiencing His peace, because it's pretty amazing. Um, I also opened up last time about my own health problems and how that's given me lots of practice in dealing with worries and troubles, but I'm not going to go over all that again with you. Um, instead, I'd like you to get your Bibles out and turn with me once again to the book of Philippians and to chapter 4. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to be giving the same sermon over again, but I just think Philippians chapter 4 has so much great stuff in it that I just I just had to go back to it because it, it's just so great. So we're going to be reading from the second half today, um, starting in verse 10 and ending with verse 14. Um, we kind of were at the beginning half last time, and today we're going to the, the ending half-ish. But I'll, I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to discuss it a little. So starting in verse 10. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So I want to get into something right away that just really stuck out to me, especially on the heels of what I talked about last time. And that's starting in verse 10. Paul says that he praises the Lord that the people were concerned about him again. Now wait a minute. I thought he just told them not to worry, and now he's praising them for being concerned. So what's what's the deal, Paul? Um, after all, today 
We often use the words worried and concerned inter interchangeably like they have the same meaning. We can be like, oh, I'm really, really worried about Henry and what he's doing. Oh yeah, I, I'm very concerned about Henry too. And it, it just means the same thing. I don't actually know anyone named Henry, so that's just an example. <laughs> but So I thought this was very interesting. I'm like, he tells him not to worry and then he's happy they're concerned. So I wanted to look into this and I did. Um, interestingly enough, the word here for worry means to torment oneself with or suffer from disturbing thoughts. And th that just sounds very dire to me. <laughs> I mean, worry means to actually torment yourself, to put yourself through agony and distress, all from your own thoughts about something that you probably don't even have control over to just let it torment you I thought wow that's some strong language there and on the flip side of that the word concerned means interested or affected and even having a connection or involvement participating um, so to be concerned means that you're actually paying attention to what's going on and how it's affecting your life and you're actively doing something about it. So the differences between those two words are kind of night and day. In the case of Paul here, he's praising the church in Philippi because they're active in trying to help him. They're not sitting around going, oh, that Paul's in jail, I, I, I hope he's okay, we're so worried, oh my goodness, we're not gonna do anything about it. But they're actually like, hey, Paul needs some help, we're gonna send them some help. And so they actually gather money and resources. They, I, I even read that um, they would pay for meals and food to be sent to him. So, so yeah, verses 15 to 17 tell us they were actually the first church to support Paul financially that way after he brought them the good news of Jesus. And they didn't send him money just once, but they did on multiple occasions. They were concerned about Paul. They wanted to make sure that Paul had enough support to do the work he was doing, and they were active in providing for him. They saw that they could help, and they did. And that is the difference between concern and worry. And what we can learn from this is that when you feel worried about someone, whether they're traveling, or they're sick, or maybe they're not making the best choices in life, you need to change your worry into concern. Don't sit around and worry and put yourself through torment worrying about them, but take a moment and think, how can I change my worry into genuine concern? Um, so that, what that means is, what can I actually do to help this situation? And then you gotta come up with a plan. The difference is the control you have and the actions you take. So whereas, Worrying you have no control and don't take any action. Concern is you can control what you do and you need to take action to help the situation. That's not even the main thing I wanted to talk about today, but I just thought it fit well with what I talked about last time. And maybe some of you read the chapter and were like, oh, this is a bit weird. And so I just wanted to bring that up and explain it a little more because it also helped me. And, and I think that's great too. <laughs> so we're going to move on to verse 11, which starts off, he says, Not that I was ever in need, and hold up right there. 
What? Not that I was ever in need? Am I? Okay. Am I wrong in thinking this, but hasn't everyone been in need at some point? Have you ever been in need at some point? Don't we all go through suffering and have a longing for things to get better? Don't we all need help at some point? I need help like every minute of every day. It drives my wife crazy because I can never find anything in the house. I constantly need help. Where's this? What is this? And all that. So I'm, I feel like I'm always in need. And Paul's like, not that I was ever in need. No, no, no. He, he doesn't need apparently. Um, and this is coming from the guy who's been shipwrecked, beaten nearly to death on multiple occasions, bitten by a poisonous snake, arrested, treated like trash, and even been stricken blind. And yet he confidently says the words, not that I was ever in need. And it's not sarcastic. He's, he's being honest here. How can he say that? Because if anyone's in need, if anyone was in need, it's Paul. He's, he's literally in prison writing this letter about how much joy he has in his life. And let me tell you, this is not a prison like today. Not, not that I believe any prison today would be a really nice place to be, but this is a prison back in ancient Rome. Um, I looked into what prison was like back then, and oh boy, <laughs> it's, it's not a great place to be in. It's dirty, it's gross, you're not treated very well at all, and I, I do have to admit, though, luckily for Paul, he was a Roman citizen, so he didn't actually have to go to prison, like, to the actual jail. But he was placed under house arrest, which did give him much more freedom, and even some rights as a Roman citizen. Like, he wasn't constantly beaten, for instance, which the regular prisoners were. Um, still a far cry from being nice, though. Because Paul would have been placed in a sort of prison house if he didn't have a house, which is a place made for prisoners. And I always knew, like, growing up when I heard about this, that there was a guard on duty. But I assumed that the guard was, like, at the door, checking whoever went in or left and making sure Paul couldn't leave. But I looked into this and I actually found out they would chain the guard and the prisoner together. So Paul was chained to a guard 24-7. Now the guard would get changed out with a new guard. They worked in shifts, obviously, but Paul, he doesn't get a break. There's constantly a guy chained to him. And I know, I know some of us can have trouble sleeping. Some nights I have trouble sleeping, but when you're trying to sleep and you got a chain connecting you to probably a giant burly armed man who is watching you like a hawk, I don't know how he got any sleep at all. Um, and I don't think, I don't think they gave him a door for his bathroom either. So that's just a, a very comforting thought. <laughs> so how can Paul say he's never been in need? Well, he goes on to explain it. He says in the following verses, For I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. 
Now there's a secret to living with such joy in your life, that even in the midst of the worst of circumstances, you can be content, knowing that you have everything you need. And I just picture Paul as he's writing this. He probably has the biggest smile on his face telling them this. The guard that's chained to him is probably very confused. <laughs> but it's because Paul, he has a secret. You know, when you have a secret that you just want to tell everyone, but no one knows you, like, I know something. It's so great, and it's going to be awesome. And Paul's just like a big kid here. He's like, I know this secret. It's the secret that I've discovered to living this way. And it's something he discovered over the course of his life and his walk with Christ. And this is when Paul tells the secret, because it's a secret that he wants everyone to know. He wants it to be the worst kept secret of all time, so that every believer in Christ might walk in joy and have the peace that the whole world can't even comprehend or understand. So come close, he says, because here's the secret, and it's in verse 13, and it's actually one of the most famous pieces of scripture in all the Bible, which just shows how bad of a secret, how bad kept secret it is, and that's this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Wow! Now, I know if you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably heard this verse about 67,000 million times. It's, it's a very popular passage. It's especially popular when sending youth groups out on a mission trip, or it's often used to tell people that, like, hey, you can do anything, and it's a great encouraging verse to go out there and change the world, and, and that's great. And I do honestly believe that, yes, Christ in his power can do great things, miraculous things, anything through you, because it's he that gives you strength. And the power we receive through Christ when we become believers is more than sufficient enough to do his will and face the challenges that arise from our commitment to him. But the context of the verses that Paul is saying, hey, when everything in your life is horrible, terrible, and just life is crumbling around you, guess what? You can be happy because Christ is your strength. Christ is strengthening you, and that should give you joy overwhelming. As we walk in faith, we're going to have troubles in life. And that is a promise that Jesus actually gave to us. In the book of John, chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, In this life, you will have trouble. That's not a verse that many of us want to hang on our fridge or, or have that we talk about all the time. But despite the troubles, Christ can strengthen you. He can get you through anything and everything. And you can have joy about that. It's like, woohoo, troubles! That's, that's not a typical reaction for people to have. But Paul is so excited about it that even in prison, he's writing about his joy and telling others this amazing secret he has so that they might have the same joy as well. But how can we practically do this? It's really easy to read about and say like, oh, that's great, it's so nice. And then when something bad happens, uh-oh, we crumble and fall and we freak out again. So how can we start our journey of moving from worry and sadness into concern 
and joy. Well, as I said last time I spoke, we have to turn back a bit to Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, where Paul says, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. And there it is. You have to practice. Every great musician or tradesperson or professional anything knows that you have to force yourself to practice to get good at it. You have to start small. So start with your small troubles even. If you want to practice uh, just praising God in all the worst times, start with your small troubles. For those of you who drive, this should be very easy because something weird that happens to people when they drive that I've noticed most people, a good 99.9% .9 of us, when we get behind the wheel of a car, it's just people turn into monsters. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's like if everything doesn't happen perfectly and quickly, oh, we get so angry and mad. So next time you're driving, when someone cuts you off or makes you wait too long because they didn't notice that the light turned green right away or they do some goofy turn and you're like, what is this person doing? <laughs> um, well, give it to God. Pray for that person and bless them. Be joyful about it. Think to yourself, whew, I'm glad that person was able to fit in this lane. Good thing I hit the brakes fast enough for them to get in. And that sounds a little ridiculous, and maybe you don't drive, so you might have to think to yourself, oh, I have to clean the toilets again today. So you say, thank you, Lord, that I have plumbing that works. Thank you that I can make this porcelain throne so shiny. And I know that sounds really ridiculous, and probably, let's face it, most of you will not do this, because it sounds ridiculous to think that way but that's how you start to practice when you learn an instrument let's say guitar for example you don't start with the amazing guitar solos you don't even really start with a lot of fun chords you just start with something called scales simple scales and scales sound ridiculous and silly and almost annoying it's like like what are you even doing you just sit there strumming your finger or moving your fingers up and down as you pick each string like over and over and over and over again. And it's it's ridiculous. But that's how you get better. That's how you lay the foundations to get better. It's how you get used to the movements on the neck of the guitar and the plucking of the strings so that eventually you can get to bigger and better things. So start saying these little prayers, as ridiculous as they sound, and ridiculous as you might feel, say them as they come up in your life, when small things happen, and eventually you'll notice it gets easier and easier, and you'll get better and better at it. It'll start to feel more natural, and eventually you'll be trusting God with the massive problems in your life knowing that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Now I'm going to pray for you now. Lord, we thank you so much that we can do all things through you because you strengthen us. And I want to pray right now that we would trust in you and we would put into practice all these things, that we would 
Be confident knowing that in all situations, whether good or bad, we can be content knowing we have everything we need. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And as a last note here, quick before you go, before you rush off, um, if you wrote down Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 last time uh, that I spoke, and you've been trying to memorize it, first of all, that's awesome, great, but I want you to write down verse 13 next, and leave it where you'll see it, so you can reflect on it, and let it get into your mind and your heart. God loves you so much, and He loves you way too much to not help you grow, and not help you move forward, but... The thing is, you got to start taking those steps toward Him as well. And they might start as little baby steps. They might start as the little scales on a guitar that you learn. The simple things. But that's how you get better. Okay. God bless you and all. I hope you all have a, a great Sunday or whatever day you're watching this. See ya.